Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Hello guys, I just got back from Deepak home base at ABC Carpet at Home, where Sahara Rose was launching her book, It Feel Fresh. It's a stunning book on Ayurveda and applying those ancient principles to today's digital life, world, business, everything. She was hilarious. And I ran into my friends Katie Dalbo and Blair Badenhop, who both have been guests on Woken Wired podcast. And I also ran into two listeners of this podcast. Hey, y'all, if you're listening. Hello, hello. Thanks for coming up and saying hi. So the reason I'm bringing this up is first because Sahara is an upcoming guest on my podcast where we talk about conscious entrepreneurship, her journey to becoming an author and being supported by Deepak, no big deal. And also, I just love that after a few years of really building your community and doing the work you love, you go to events and you run into people you love. And it's this sense of community, sense of tribe, something that I was really missing when I was nomadic for nine months. I talk about it at length on my recent interview on the Woke Bay podcast. It's hosted by Aldi Tate Cutler, and it's a new podcast, and it's wonderful and hilarious and spiritual and inspiring. I highly recommend you check it out. Let me know what you think of the podcast where I talk about crystals and my journey to becoming an entrepreneur, going from a nomad to being a Brooklyner that never lives Brooklyn pretty much. And I'm also a guest on the Better Than Ever podcast, where I feel like it was the most vulnerable and raw interview I've done so far, where I just honestly share where I was at the moment, and it ain't pretty. Anyway, it's just a reminder that wherever you are is okay, and accepting your circumstances and feelings and thoughts and your environment and everything exactly the way it is, is a very important step to your expansion and to being guided to what is next for you. And that's something I'm moving through now as I am expanding my businesses and I am reconnecting to my purpose. I'm getting ready to launch some new online products and programs that are really meant to empower you to be the woke bay in the world that you are and express that freely. I'm getting ready to release a product with Breakfast Criminals, my first edible Breakfast Criminals branded thing, and it might or might not have to do anything with cacao. Stay tuned for details. It's going to be extra special, and it's just aligning so perfectly. So anyway, if you feel like you're listening to all these podcasts, you're following all these people on Instagram, and you're telling yourself, oh, I don't know if I'm doing enough, I should be doing this, and you just get disempowered then remember that everything, everything takes time and you can only take one step at a time. If you try to bite off more than you can chew, then you're just going to cause an overwhelm. So honor where you're at. That's my biggest, biggest advice really to myself and to you guys, since you're listening, since you're here. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you. And if you are into all these vibes of intuitive entrepreneurship, breaking the rules, then you're definitely going to enjoy this podcast with Alexandra Roxo. I am super stoked. I think this one is extra, extra special. Or maybe I should just say extra, extra. I think that's what young people say nowadays. Anyway, 
So in this podcast, we talk about sex and money magic. Yep. And being a vibrational match to what you want to attract. And that, yes, that includes money and partnerships and sex and business and all the things. And we covered the key element in manifestation that is very often overlooked. And my favorite topic that we discussed that I think you guys will appreciate a lot because it's, I don't know if Alexandra has ever talked about this. It's her take on business and her take on social media. And it's very much rooted in connecting to your gut and loosening your belly and just letting yourself go with the flow and share things as they come up. She's sharing her heart on Instagram daily has created her business with no email lists or funnels. So if you're like me and you get overwhelmed just thinking about funnels, online courses, building your email lists, and you're tired of hearing that you need to build one, then this podcast is for you. Hey, I'm not saying that email lists or funnels are bad, but I think sometimes we just hear so many things that we need to be doing that it's so easy to get overwhelmed. And if you can resonate with that, send me a DM, take a screenshot of this podcast, tag Woke and Wired. I love hearing from you guys. I love hearing your takeaways. This podcast is all about pre-thinking, radical, rule-breaking approach to entrepreneurship, an energetic explanation and a tantric explanation of the energetics behind social media as well and why some things resonate and why some things don't. So yeah, continue listening. I really enjoyed recording this with Alexandra. And if you feel called, there's a few spots left for training with with Alexandra. It's a group training. There's one that starts this November, 2018 and another one in January. And for very last minute people out there, I'm actually considering going this weekend at Maharose North. Alexandra is leading a retreat that's all about being an embodied goddess and sharing it with the world. Anyway, Alexandra is a transformational coach, a healer, co-founder of the Moon Club, which she co-founded with Ruby Warrington, who was guest on episode three in the very beginning of this podcast. She is the one who popularized the sober curious movement. I'm talking about Ruby right now. And together they just make such a powerful duo of women healers, entrepreneurs in the world. So Alexandra is all about the divine feminine resurgence, moon rituals, modern spirituality, female empowerment, and she's a true artist. Just take a look at her Instagram at Alexandra Roxo, R-O-X-O. Just stunning imagery and the way she expresses herself in the world is extremely magnetizing. And it really shows that she puts a lot of thought and intention and just honestly pure love and dedication to what she does in the world and how she expresses herself. Enjoy this podcast. If you do, please text it to a friend and leave a rating and a review in the iTunes app. I really appreciate it. No, but really, I read every review and it makes a big difference. And let's spread the word about this more conscious approach to being a modern person who wants to be spiritual, entrepreneurial, successful, likes meditating, likes money, likes dark chocolate. I don't know why I said that because I'm craving some right now. Actually, I just had this paleo cookie dough from Capello that my friend Abby Miller got me hooked on and it has dark chocolate chips in it and you keep it in your freezer and then you cut it up and I don't even bake it and you just have it like cookie dough. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I'm going to go have some more. You guys enjoy the podcast. Let me know what you think. Also guys, I just discovered a 
ASMR. You should Google it if you don't know what it is already and look up some YouTube videos about it. It's all about whispering in the microphone and making weird repetitive sounds that apparently cause sensations on your skin and put you in a state of trance. Have you heard about it before? I get a lot of comments about my voice being very calming, so I think if any of my other projects fail, I might as well become a professional ASMR artist. With the amount of sirens in New York, I don't think I can do ASMR professionally. Anyway, back to Alexandra. Here we go. I have Alexandra Roxo here. Love her last name. Recently found out that you're half Brazilian, right? Yeah. That's where it comes from, the exotic, beautiful name. And we met a few months ago at Cap Beauty in New York City at a Moon Juice shop. Moon Juice, whatever it's called. Moon Juice. Yeah, Moon Juice was there sponsoring and an feeding event. us lots of goodies. Exactly. And you were there with Ruby. And I hadn't seen Ruby for a long time. And we just started talking. And you were there. And I was like, who is this girl with Ruby? I need to know her. Mm. And I kind of made a note in my head to connect with you and to talk more. And, and here we are. Yeah. Thank you so much. I felt the same. I felt... You know, sometimes I go to like wellness events and I, I don't, my heart isn't like really pulled towards people. And I think that's okay. It's something that I've accepted that like you can walk into a room and not necessarily be on the same frequency or resonance as everyone. And that's okay. And I think when I was younger, I would feel like I was a freak, you know, I'd walk in and feel like, wow, I can't relate to people in here or I'm a weirdo. But when I met you, I felt the depth of your practice and your heart in this space. Mm. And I was just like, oh, I want to connect with her. She's really authentic and real. Thank you. Yeah. I think it only, when you go to these events, it can be really overwhelming. That's why I don't always go, but it really just takes that one connection for yeah. me at least to feel the magic of connection and really it makes up for taking the time of your day to go somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Alexandra, your Instagram bio says, stay to get in touch with the divine feminine within New York Times, co-founder of Moon Club, words, retreats, and classes to awaken your fire. (laughs) So what is it that you actually do on a day-to-day basis? So now what I do on a day-to-day basis is I see clients one-on-one as a combination of coaching, mentorship, and spiritual teaching some energy healing as well. So I don't like to use just the word like, I'm a coach. I don't really resonate with that word, though some of what I do falls into that category. Um, So I work with clients and I work with with a select group of clients right now. And I've worked with people from like, I just worked with like one of the original blockchain guys. And then I have like a a founder of, um, you know, a company that was on Shark Tank. And then I have like a mom who has three kids. And so people come to me for different reasons, sometimes like wanting to reconnect with their sexuality, their find their divine feminine expression, maybe find their sort of fire and their passion and how to express that. The man I work with was like kind of working with him about how to be in a masculine feminine dynamic and develop his masculinity in like a really beautiful way. So 
I, I look at the work I do with clients as very artistic and I come from a background as a writer and an artist. And so I look at it as crafting moments with people using the tools that I have from my years of practice. So no session with a client is ever the same. And I look at them as kind of these ephemeral pieces of art that happen between two people in a moment. And I believe that relating can be like that when we bring consciousness to it. Hmm. So with... We're going to get more into what exactly you do and how you got into that. But for now, I just want to start by asking you, what's making you feel the most woke right now? Woke? Honestly, my my daily practice. Tell me more about that. So I have been practicing traditional yogic seated meditation in the, the kind of most traditional way, which would be from like the yoga sutras and this sort of mindset of like, Pantanjali and, you know, Vedic and transcendental, all that stuff sort of falls into similar categories. I started practicing that type of meditation when I was 19. And over the years, I've added practices because that practice cultivates awareness, which is kind of one side of the spectrum. So I have now added practices that cultivate the opposite side of the spectrum, which is more bliss and ecstasy and surrender, which is a lack of kind of awareness. Because it's like if you saw a Sufi you know, whirling dervish, they're not in their mind at all. They've, you know, lost their mind to an extent. So practices that cultivate that side are really very different than the ones that cultivate the diamond clarity that a very dedicated seated meditation practice would create. So over these last 15 years of dedicated practice, I have like, I've kind of gone all through that spectrum from plant medicines, and now my work is very tantric-based and less on that austere yogic path, but it started on the austere yogic path. So, like, I slept on the floor, I took cold showers, like, I really, I woke up at 6 a.m. every, I still sort of do, but I was like, okay, austerity. And then after doing that for a certain amount of time off and on, I came to a different kind of a, a way, which is more of the tantric way. But over the years, those practices have varied art and the creation of art, writing, poetry, dance are spiritual practices to me when I do them within certain containers with certain consciousness and love and the energy around it. So yeah, my practices on a day-to-day vary. Today I chanted for like an hour and that felt so good. I was just like, oh my God, what a joy it is to sit and chant and dance in the morning. And then I did seated practice and then I wrote and and then I looked at pictures that inspired me to activate that. And so and then I did a little study in a book I'm reading. So I because I work with people for my life work for this, my practice every day is like three hours <laughs> on a good day, unless I'm like, you know, I can't, which is okay. Then my practice is out in the world as I'm walking through life, which is still essentially the same thing, just different. Hmm. So right now you're working a lot with one-on-one clients. What's your vision for where you want to take your work? Well, I just got a book deal, so I'm writing a book. Congratulations. Thank you, which I'm really excited about because writing brings me like total ecstasy and bliss. And I feel like I'm having divine sex with something higher when I write. It's just like, ah! (laughs) And, um, but I'm also doing online classes and I, I've been sort of like, oh, I don't want to do that. But I'm, That's I'm, me. 
You too. Yes. Yeah, I know. And our friends are like, you gotta do those classes. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm starting to, I did one class with Sahara Rose, which we're going to launch in, in September called Sex and Money Magic, which is kind of about un- great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> unraveling like shame stories and ancestral stories around sex and money and kind of how they're related. And then I am releasing a class in a few weeks called How to Embody Your Feminine Fire which is a lot of the work that I do, especially with women, is embodiment work. So I do embodied breath work, kind of how to pull you back into your body, into your gut, into your pussy, yoni, whatever you want to call it. And so that you have this sort of like balance between the mind center and then the internal kind of cervical center as a place of wisdom and strength. Again, these are like ancient teachings. It's not original to me, but... I lead people, especially women, in how to cultivate that space so that the mind isn't always making decisions, but like your guts and like your pussy makes decisions too. Is there an exercise you can share with the listeners that everyone can do to connect to that more? Yeah. The, The sort of the simplest way that you can cultivate a relationship with your second chakra or if you want to just call it your pelvic region which exists in the subtle energy and then also like in the physical body and then there's the place where they meet. So the best thing you can do is to stop holding in your belly and begin to create a relaxed lower belly so that those muscles can just start to create spaciousness in there and airflow in there. And so that, a great thing you can do is lay on your bed and put a book on your lower belly and breathe and let the book go up and down and see how much the book rises and falls with big belly breaths where you go in through your nose and out through your mouth. And then you can do that when you're in the world. You can breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth with the belly, putting the awareness into either, you can say like, you know, your womb, you can say your cervix. For people who don't have a womb or cervix, you can just say like your pelvic region because it is an energetic space as well. And you can, you can feel how creating more space there and awareness there and air there begins to balance this, like, this, this space of, of your guts, of having more space for your guts to guide you in the world. And that can be on one level, your guts, or actually this space where the divine life force energy enters a female body which is like this sacred space that's really you know it doesn't really get a lot of reverence if it's all clenched up and stuffed with weird things and smells of perfumes or whatever so we want to like recultivate that relationship there and there are so many people out there who are like you know sort of like pussy like re- reclamation advocates. That's not my work isn't just around that. I really do holistic mind, body, spirit work. But for women, especially, this is a beautiful place to start. And for men who don't have any access to their gut intuition, you know, the guts are full of all sorts of receptors and serotonin. And, you know, a lot of us have gut issues in, in the Western world. And so I say repair the gut on a physical level. And then on the energetic level, start to do breath work into that space and cultivate awareness and let the belly hang out and really commit to having a soft belly so you can feel the world because otherwise you don't really feel the world as much. You, you, you're in the mind. Hmm. I think it's also so like body image culture, like yeah. stuck in your belly, you know, 
open up your shoulders, stand straight, look skinny, like that whole thing. Yeah. I think it came, that tightening in the belly and moving farther from our gut wisdom came yeah. with those trends Absolutely. of being skinny. I know. Such a bummer. Goodbye. <laughs> See you. Yeah, like take up less space, like become smaller in the world. Mm. I mean, it's it's... It's kind of, it's very sad when you look at it like that. It's like, women, we want you to become smaller and more compact and tiny and mm-hmm. withered. Like, ah. luckily that is totally shifting mm-hmm. on the on the mainstream level. I mean, there's still a ton. It's not like we're there yet. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's so many more beautiful bodies depicted in the media and imagery now that show different sizes and that make younger women feel like mm-hmm. they can not be skinny. So how did you get into this work? Because when I Googled you, what comes up is Alexander, the film producer. <laughs> the director. Who, who's that? <laughs> so, I mean, I've always been an artist and an artist of life more than anything. And so, but I was a playwright in college and I wrote two plays about spirituality and a Muslim woman and a Christian woman and how femininity played out in patriarchal religion. This is when I was like 21. This is like 15 years ago almost. And then I moved into photography and I showed photos and I had all these feminist photos. Like this is pre-Instagram. So I did this one photo shoot with like 20 women holding these cups of fake blood and they had it like dripping down their face. (laughs) It was very dramatic, but it was like toasting to our menstruation. This is, yeah, like a while ago, you know. And then I moved into making films. I made experimental films. And they were very ritualistic and they were devoted to different myths, archetypes, deities that had to do with my own personal practice. And those screened at galleries and festivals. And then from there, I went into, I made more narrative work. So I made my first feature film called Mary Marie that was about sort of the virgin and the horror archetypes. And then I went and worked at a truck stop strip club and filmed that for Vice. And that was a trip. And that was really about showing that all women are the same, whether we're at a strip club or in the Upper East Side, that we're really at the same at the heart. And then I lived on the street with some women that were trained hopping homeless girls. And that was another project for Vice that didn't come out. It was a TV pilot that we did with Spike Jones. And after that pilot didn't go to series, it was supposed to be a whole series, which would have been really heavy, you know, strip clubs, sleeping on the street, like working at an abortion clinic, like there were heavy stuff. And I was sitting in an ayahuasca ceremony and I just heard the medicine say like, I like things, something has to change in your life and things were already changing and I knew that, like, I had gotten caught up a little bit in this, like, my agents at CAA and, like, having meetings with Oscar-winning producers, and I was on a television show, and I don't know, like, I had lost a little something, and I just, like, the TV show not going to series was, like, my sign, and I had already heard this call, you need to go help people, you need to work with people as a mentor, as a coach, as a healer, you need to share with other women all this cultivation of practice that you've been doing for so many years. And I didn't want to at first, and I was like, oh, that sounds so lame, like, I want to be a famous director. <laughs> and then it just started happening, and it happened so effortlessly. That what, I just... what actions did you take? You know, it's one thing to sit in a ceremony hear something and in the moment it resonates so much yeah and then you go back into your life 
Yeah. And everything is kind of the same on the outside. So it takes, from my experience, a lot of courage and determination to actually take actions that will create those changes. So what did you do differently? Well, I decided to start to see. At that point, I stopped drinking for like six months. I wasn't drinking a ton, but I had sort of fallen into a lifestyle here in New York, which wasn't quite me. Like I always had a normal relationship to alcohol, like normal meaning moderate or balanced, you know, I would have some wine here and there, but something in those years where I like had the agents calling me and stuff like that. And like things got a little bit more and more hedonistic and intense and stressful. So after that ayahuasca ceremony, I just like, I went into like a healing cave and I like, I went super clean and I went to sound baths and I, I was alone and I took a lot of baths and I cried a lot. And I didn't talk to a lot of people. I did write a lot on Instagram. You can go back to that time and read my posts. When was that? <laughs> this is February of 2016. So, and you can see my eyes were like really clear. Like after those three nights of ayahuasca, I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> um, and then I started seeing my first clients. I like told a few people, hey, do you know anyone? And this really beautiful actress and blogger Lulu Brud who her Instagram account is called like I think of the wolves or something like that she was my first client it was so sweet and it was great and it felt natural to me how did you know what to do I intuitively knew what to do <laughs> I did do you remember what that first session was like well the thing is I had been doing spiritual practice for so long and like I am a wealth of wisdom I've read so many books you know I've sat at like Buddhist centers and Hindu centers and Baptist places and you know I'm just like a witch camp like I really I'm a seeker at my heart and so but yeah I, I led her through like a guided meditation and we made like a plan for what she wanted to work on it was just intuitive to me I think I'd already been doing this with everyone in my life <laughs> now I was just like I'm just gonna get paid for it so what did it take for you to go from doing it for people for free to actually saying here's my rate and here's what the session will look like. It took practice. So what I tell my clients is, you know, I love it when people are like, yeah, I'm going to like go big and charge this much per session. And I always tell people like, cool, well, you probably, unless you're holding the internal space for that much, then it's not going to match. So the number and your energetic vibration won't be a match. Until they are, you won't attract that, that client that's going to pay that. So in order to do that, I really recommend slow stretch, like a rubber band where you do, you charge $50 and then a hundred and da, 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 da. Unless you really like feel like you can own the number until you can own the number, no one will pay you that number. And, and I worked with a coach last year and I, I was developing this six month program that I just did. It just completed. That was a small group of five women. And I took them through six retreats in six months, ayahuasca, mushroom psilocybin journey, Japanese rope bondage, snake ceremony. Like it was really intense work. It was like fringe, like for, for like warrior goddesses who had been through shit and wanted to work through it. And when I was working with my coach at the time, I was like, I don't know how much to charge. And he was like, how much do you want to charge? And I was like, 10,000. And at the time that number felt so scary and he really worked with me so that I could embody the number. And he was like, and even, even so I, you know, now I'm like, Oh, I should have charged more. because <laughs> like, it's actually not that much for what was given considering how much happened during the six months. But 
in order to ask for a certain amount of money, you have to really be able to feel it and claim it. And I like to, you know, do exercises with clients where I call them out on if they really are feeling it. Because if I like ask you right now, like how much money do you want to make a month or a year? And you tell me a number, I can feel if there's a little part of you that doesn't believe it's possible or that's not ready. And we work on that little part. Like who's the little part? Is it a part that's ashamed? Is it a part of you that's like sort of been hidden? Some of mine that needed to come up were like around completely different things. Like there was some still sexual shame around a part of me that was hiding. There was, I don't know, there's something else that with this coach, I realized I couldn't hold the number because part of my energetic was holding that down and that down and that down. So what I say to, to my clients is, Start slowly, practice the number. Practice, oh, I'm going to charge 100. It might feel inauthentic for a few weeks or a month, and you likely will not attract someone unless you believe that you're worth that number. And that is not like, believe you're worthy, girl. Like <laughs> It's actually just a real thing, a real vibrational thing. If you're not vibrating at that number, if you're not feeling that number, then like no one's going to pay you that number. So for me, that 10,000 was like an up level. I was like, okay. And now I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Next one's going to be mm. like a hundred, you know? <laughs> like, but I had to go through that six months to stretch into that. It's like stretching into a new yoga pose. It's like, ooh, I'm holding 10,000. Ooh, I'm holding, you know, 20. And, you know, that's how it's been for me. Now it could be totally different. People have different approaches. Hmm. You know, something I'm a big believer in being clear on what you want and manifestation, but something I recently read in Wayne Dyer's book, mm-hmm. Wishes Fulfilled, it was kind of like a PS in the very end of the book, yet I thought it was the most powerful practice around the whole world that I've seen. And it, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's that idea that if you want to manifest something, it has to feel natural to you mm-hmm. that you have it. If you say, I want this, but you're not actually vibrating on that level, or allowing yourself to be with the idea that you have it, then you're not going to get it. So it takes that like stretching to the yeah. point where it does feel natural to have that thing. Exactly. And I think some people like leave that out of the manifestation process. It's like, you know, that's why I say like, there's this movie from the nineties called what about Bob with like Bill Murray and uh, Richard Dreyfus and Richard Dreyfus is the psychologist and Bill Murray's like trying to change his life. And like, and he's like, baby steps, baby steps. And like, I just feel like it's baby steps. Like we think like, oh, I got to be as big as this guy and I got to do as much as this person and I got to manifest it all. But sometimes in that, we don't really believe it and our container of who we are isn't big enough to hold it yet. So I always tell my clients, like lay the foundation, like one brick at a time, super solid. And that like, that's what's going to pave the way for the thing. Not that there aren't moments where you have to take leaps. There definitely are. But when it comes to stretching yourself, I always think, you know, you can't, it's like if you go into a yoga class and you do something too fast, you will hurt yourself. You know, like, would you rather push yourself too much too quickly and then have to like kind of go back and clean up the the mess or just take it slow. Like there's really no rush. You know, the rush is usually the ego wanting to be validated or get approval. But when we go underneath the ego, we're like, we can see the beauty and the joy and the pleasure 
in accepting the $50, accepting the 75, the hundred. And like now I charge like almost four times that, you know, for a session, but I didn't, that didn't happen overnight. I didn't do that. Just like, yo, pay me this much, you know? Mm -hmm. What is your manifestation process? So I, I like to let go of control nowadays. And this is like, this is kind of, I feel like it's like almost like a postmodern kind of a thing, but it's, it's also, I believe a very tantric, uh, point of view, which is I allow everything in my life to be a vehicle for my awakening and a vehicle to know God, to go, to know the divine and know source. So if I start micromanaging, I want to manifest this and this and this and this and this, I'm creating boxes. And what my mind can conceptualize is smaller than what is out there because I don't even know what's out there. There's so much that I don't even know. So when I ask my little mind, hey girl, what do you want? Oh, I want this. Then that makes a small box. But if I say, hey, divine life, you brought me here. I slid out of my mom's vagina. Somehow I got here and I trust that there's something and like, all the amazing people that have come into my life. I haven't prayed every day. Like, please come. I've just allowed myself to be on the amazing ride of life. So with care, with love, but with surrender, I allow for a door to be open. Now, that doesn't mean just being like, I don't care what happens with my life. But that means like letting things be an opening rather than a contraction and a manifestation process. I don't really believe in like writing a bunch of lists and doing the na 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 da 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 da. Like, you know, you can write some things, but it all to me, my manifestation process has to be in an opening. Oh, that would feel good. And then let it go. Oh, I could feel that and let it go. The minute that it's like, I want my partner to look like this and I want to do this and I want to make this. I look at that as contraction and I don't, I look at that as like me trying to manipulate the divine. Now, the cool thing is we can do it. I've written an exact list and had a man show up, a lover who is exactly that. So like my ego is like, yeah, girl, you just make the list and it will come. But what if the divine can make a list that's way better than my lists, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, that's, that's the place where I'm at. I love to create like beautiful openings. Like, Ooh, it would feel really good to make $25,000 on that course. Mm, Amazing. How does that feel my body? Ooh, how does that? Ooh, I can see that. And then let it go. I think it's, um, what you were leading to is switching from how it will look like to how it will feel like. Yes, exactly. And I do practice how it would feel often. But I think people get really attached to outcomes and get really attached to the physical manifestation of things. And I think that if we surrender some control, things can be better than we've ever dreamed of. Mm. And we do that by staying in alignment with, with our highest self, by doing our practices, and by continuing to come again and again and say, like, may what I do be for the greater good of all. And... And trusting that you're going to be cared for. You're not going to be left behind. But when we go outside of ourselves, like, oh, I need it to look like this and this and this, then it creates suffering, you know? Hmm. And so how have things been different since you have been acting from a more place of a surrender than I need this, this, and this? I mean, it's been amazing. Like with my business, I've been like, okay, whatever you want, I'm there. And like, I've had consistent clients. I've had consistent clients come through. I've had, they keep getting more 
giving me more money. <laughs> I had the book deal come through and I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to write the book proposal and I have no attachment to it. Cool. Just sending it off. Awesome. Like it's just that stuff. I've had no push against it. I have had no, mm, give it to me. Now, the place in my life, and I'm super honest about this, that I have had that uh, is with romance. And it, in a manner, it shows, you know, because I have, that's a place I've had a lot of lessons come through, which are beautiful and important in my businesses and in my career and in the things that I've had over the years, things have flowed so beautifully. Like I didn't ask to get put in the New York Times. I didn't care. I actually met the writer. I gave her a session. I didn't care. My friend was like, you gave her a session? Does she like you? I'm like, I don't care. Just give her a session. And then boom. And then I'm like, wow, that's how it works. No attachment, just pure love showing up to the moment. And then I'm like, okay, now I got to do this with men. (laughs) 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 Same thing. So that's where I'm at with that. It's just like, you know, which is hard. It's hard to show up and not be like, (gasps) like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. totally. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the business coach. You worked with a business coach. And yeah. the more people I interview for the podcast, I find out how vital and important yes. it has been in each person that I interviews life and career and business to have that support. Mm-hmm. So when did you get a coach and how did you pick them and how has it been different since? Well, so I worked with coaches around love and around, well, I've worked with coaches in general and I love having someone. If I don't have somebody to talk, because I don't have a partner who I would never want to make my coach, by the way. (laughs) But, you know, I I have friendships where we talk, but there's nothing like having someone who is your outside eyes and who helps you continue on your path. And like the breakthroughs that I have consistently in the growth because I work with people is amazing as my coach. But last year I met this man who was just like, I was like, Something about you is incredibly powerful. Like I felt it and like he doesn't advertise. He's like not really social media presence. He's a very like deep kind of alchemist type and his process is very much like creating this weird internal space. Like I'll see him like scan my system (laughs) and like, and then he's like, you know, so it's, it's weird to describe his process because it feels very magical. He's not like it. It's not basic. It's not like make the spreadsheet you should do business cards. It's like, it's like he sees the, the blocks in your system where there's no way you could attract a certain amount of money. It's a very energetic and shamanic way. And so that's what he's actually just doing this like shamanic initiation workshop that I can't go to, but his, his website's called the business monk. And so his whole thing is business as spiritual practice. Oh my gosh. I need to get him on the podcast. Yes. He's amazing. He's, he's epic. He's so, yeah, we're going to do a custom ritual for me so that I can go to the next level of my, my business. But I sought him, I think it was like after Burning Man last year and I came back and I was like, okay, I'm ready to up level. Like I'm ready for the next step. What is it? And with him, I created this six month program. I said, I want, I want clients that give me $25,000 for six months of working together. And I want to do this six months program. That's 10 K a person. And I had no attachment to this, just ideas. <laughs> and and they manifested through with our work, you know, and it was beautiful. So it's one thing doing the energetic level to expand your container, to allow yourself to receive, but it's a whole other thing to actually put it out into the world and, and create funnels and create yeah. pricing and set up your bank account. <laughs> yeah. So what is your relationship between 
that kind of energetic flow and more business strategy. Yeah. So that part drives me bananas. <laughs> and I hired somebody and she's amazing. And her name's Sabrina and she helps me with all of that. But even so, like, it's a lot of work. She's like working around the clock. And there's still more to do, you know, and I'm working around the clock too, honestly, you know, in the last few years since I made this change from filmmaking to doing this work, I also started Moon Club, which is an online mentorship community. And by the way, guys, Ruby Warrington, co-founder of the Moon Club was, I think, episode three or four. Just scroll back down. You'll find it. It's amazing. The numinous Ruby Warrington. Yes. And Ruby and I created Moon Club. So that is a space for people to get group coaching, moon rituals, a monthly handbook all about the cycles of the moon. But that is, we have like 500 women around the world in there. And so Sabrina manages them. She's like the, the, the mom of the group, you know, making sure everybody's okay. And then she's also been managing my, my work. And so now I have to have somebody else come on because bless her heart. She's like, ah, how'd you find Sabrina? I need a Sabrina. You need a Sabrina. I know. I feel like everybody does. <laughs> Actually, I have a, a person I'll give you after this. An, awesome. an idea. I don't Perfect. know. But even so, like last night I spent making spreadsheets about where my income is, where my expenses are, where my savings is, and what my projected income is for the next six months. And I, you know, I often spend late nights doing that stuff. Also like reviewing email drafts that are going out to Moon Club, you know, considering how to set up Squarespace and MailChimp and QuickBooks. And, you know, it's a lot of work. And that's the kind of stuff that I just want to be in practice. I just want to be communing with the divine and just like mm-hmm. chanting and running naked in the woods. And I'm like, oh, MailChimp. Oh. <laughs> so eventually I would like to have somebody like or a team of like five do all of that, you know, mm. when I'm at that financial level. So all I do is I show up. I think Shaman Dirk's kind of like that. He's like, oh, honey, I just show up. I'm like, that's my dream. <laughs> mm. So what did it take from you? to go from conceiving the idea of having all these courses and retreats and programs to actually launching them and selling out? Like, what were the steps that you took? Did you have to master the funnels or did you just hire the person and oversee the thing? So that's was a, it social media? It's a great question. So I'm a, I'm a rule breaker. I'm a radical and I hate doing what the way other people did. So someone gave me like the password to B school and I like logged in and I was like, <laughs> I did the same thing. which bless her she's incredible I I think she's amazing but I was just like this is my worst nightmare (laughs) and just because I'm like a free thinking like radical like ah. so I think because in the last two years I've been committed to every day sharing my heart and soul on Instagram that's been what's called people in so my energy my truth my authenticity and my spirit has essentially called people in then they have to have a thing to click to go on the website, to book the session, to go in my contact form. But I think me reflecting my authenticity, my path, sharing really vulnerably has created the ecosystem for people to be like, oh, I get it. I get what she's all about. And I think people get lost in the funnels and stuff. And I'm like, girl, where's the spirit, man? (laughs) Where's the spirit? Like, where's your soul? I want to feel you bleeding through the screen at me. Like, if I can't feel your heart, or your fucking warrior presence, like, then I'm not going to pay money for you. And so I said about working with Dave, the coach that I've worked with, like, I can feel his presence through a text message, just like, and those are the type of people that I want around me that I'm going to pay for. And I want people to come to me 
because they want to pay for that. And I don't pay for me if you don't feel that because I need to continuously be giving that. And, and the people that come and the people that they actually elicit more of that, right? And it's a beautiful thing. So this is a more shamanic or tantric way of looking at it, right? It's like this whole thing that's happening online is just like an energy pool. Like, and where can you allow your heart and your spirit to call in the clients, to call in the people that want to click, right? It's not a cute picture. It's a spirit behind the picture, in my opinion. This is all, you know, the way that I do it. Oh my gosh, this is like my favorite thing in the world to talk about. This is why I started the podcast. I'm so glad we're talking about this. So do you have a specific practice around that? Or is it just your way of being that over the years of practice, just naturally when you're sharing something, the spirit is there? Or do you have to take like 10 minutes to dance or meditate before you mm. share an Instagram for it to really transmute, tra- transmit? Mm. That's a great, great, great question, which I've thought about a lot. And I'm actually leading a retreat in October in upstate New York where I'm going to lead people and how to find this in themselves. It's a small group by application only, but please come. It's going to be super juicy. So for me, when the words come through and, and the, the spirit of writing is coming, I, it just comes. I don't sit and say, okay, I'm ready for you to come now. Come, come, come. It literally is just like, I'll be walking, I'll be pooping, I'll be cooking. And it's just like, oh, and I always have to have my phone closed. If you looked at the notes section of my phone, it's just like <laughs> thousands of like, shit. And, and so, but it always is in the morning. I do not, I rarely get nighttime down. Well, sometimes nighttime, but I rarely get daytime downloads. It's like morning. And so if I don't get in that quiet, like, and it has to be before I've taken in any media or anything. No, like do not be scrolling through the ground. No, because my messages come from source and my own deep heart. And so usually during my, after my meditation, after like I'm cooking or drinking my mate or dancing in the kitchen, I'll be like, Ooh, you know, Mm. and it just comes. (laughs) If I try to force it, or if it's like even like 1% pushed, people don't like it as much. And I get mm. the instant reflection. There's also the algorithm, which is kind of bones us in a while. But like usually there's an accuracy to like if something is like really, really authentic to my spirit, people really like it more. Guys, there is a spirit algorithm to the ground. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, this is it. This, this is, is it. it. That's this true. Is it. This, this is, is it. You're hearing about it for the first time. Yeah. Like, actually, I was on the way to do Shaman Durek's podcast, and I had just led this ceremony over the weekend in a retreat, and I was driving. God, it's the worst. This is partially why I'm glad I'm moving back to New York, because in LA, I'd be driving, and I'd get these writing coming through me, and I'm like, ah! Um, I was driving to Shaman Durek, um, and I was, like, getting this download of writing, and, like, posting between the stoplight because it was so alive and that picture got like 1500 likes which is is like a lot more than usual and I could feel it I could feel the power of it moving and tickling me while it was coming out which was sometimes scary because it's bigger than me I'm like Alexander everything you're saying just gave me like a one ton dose of liberation because I have such resistance to funnels Mm. and a lot of the times when I've worked with coaches or consultants the first thing they say is, well, do you have a posting schedule? Mm. Or for like all the new accounts I've started, like we're talking about Crystal Criminals, our Crystal account that's really taking off. 
Eric is like, well, we should have a posting schedule. And something in me just like, ugh, like immediately everything. If, it, if that thing happens inside of you, like usually it's a no. Exactly. Sometimes it's exactly. resistance and that's where your practice and like how your meditation mm. practice and your awareness can let you know, is it, this, is it resistance mm. or is it actually just like, no. It's a definite no. Yeah. Because just like you described, for me, these things come, they're channeled. Yes. On all my accounts, I only share in the moment when I feel like I'm feeling it. Something yes. needs to come out. I need to share it now. And for me, it's actually usually late at night mm. or in the morning if I do create like sacred slow space for it. But man, whoa. Yeah. I mean, look, I think the systems, some of the systems in place are necessary and some actually are just ways of controlled thinking and being that we're slowly melting. Because think about it. It's so organic. I feel it. It moves through me and I express it. How beautiful, feminine, organic is that? Then I must make it come out. I must control it and at a certain time and God must come and creativity must come at this time. Like that doesn't make sense to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like nature doesn't work like that. You know, it doesn't rain on Tuesdays at four. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So you mentioned your course coming up with Zahara Rose. Yes. Sex and money. Sex, money, magic. Sex, money, magic. What's the relationship of all of these? It's a lot of similar energy, actually, because, well, sex and money have been so villainized, exploited. They're so taboo. We don't talk about how much money we have. We don't talk about how much sex we have. Like, these are things that are culturally unacceptable to really be honest about. You would likely, I wouldn't say to you this morning, like, wow, did you have a good cervical orgasm last night? Because I did. Like, is it the moon or just me? Like, I don't say that to even my best of friends because there are these cultural boundaries that are in place, you know? And like, maybe you would if you're super close and maybe there's something about age. I'm like, maybe I said that when I was like 25 or something. (laughs) But the same with, with money. I wouldn't show up here and say, how much money do you have in savings, you know? Like, you'd probably be like, girl, that's none of your own business, <laughs> you know? So these these spaces, the reason there's, like, whoo, that energy around it is, like, ooh, there's power there, right? Because there's power there to knowing, like, oh, yeah, I have multiple orgasms. <sighs> or, like, ooh, I have $100,000. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of power that comes with that. But there's a lot of shame too. Oh, I don't have, I didn't have an orgasm or, oh, I'm in debt. So we keep it sort of all hidden away. And there's, there's layers of ancestor stuff and family stuff and parent stuff and just stuff that we've just ingested about how we think we should be and not be. When in truth, money is this, just this beautiful spirit and this is collective energy that can be loved and appreciated and honored in a really lovely way and the same with sex and it, and it really ties into also creativity like there's a lot of creative energy and money and sex which if we all walk around like keeping it like oh i can't tell you i don't want you to like it's that then we are essentially not being fully honest with each other and i'm not advocating to go tell everyone your bank balance though i did run a group once a course And we had to one day when we're opening up, we had to all say our bank balance. Hi, I'm Alexandra. (laughs) I'm happy to be here today to the class. And I have X dollars in the bank. And it was fucking intense. It was intense because everyone triggers each other. All of a sudden, the woman that's leading the course with me 
She's like, I have $75,000 in my checking. And I was like, I hate you. I was like, this was years ago. And I was definitely not like, I still don't have that in my checking right now. But, but the things that come up for us, you know, mm-hmm. the, the projections, the jealousies, the pains, the shames around these two areas are very vast. So what does that mean? It's a great place to dive into. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to look out more for that. Cool. Awesome. So another thing is, you know, it's beautiful to think about social media, this place to channel our messages, to express our truth, and to let others who are ready to receive, to receive on that same kind of wavelength. But on the other hand, not everyone has a film background and a photography background yeah. and can put it together so beautifully mm. and, and create such an astonishing and stunning brand mm. around it like you did. Oh, thank you. No one's ever told me that. Oh my gosh, your brand is so powerful. Thank you. And you know, I really like, appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I always feel like I'm kind of messy and all over the place. And by brand, I just mean presence and yeah. like cohesiveness. And like when I go on your page, I get a certain experience and yeah. I can always go back and, and get that. Great. And know that I'll get that. Yes. <laughs> that was not planned. That's spirit, not me. <laughs> you know, sometimes my heart breaks when I see people with an incredibly powerful message who don't even know how to get into Instagram or YouTube mm. or, and do that stuff. And that's why I do my social media coaching work. Mm. And I have a social media course online so that people can get basic tools of yeah. sharing their message online and feel more empowered around it. But maybe not everyone is meant to share it on that level. Absolutely. Right? I feel like in our world, there's so much... Like we kind of, I caught myself doing that. I judge the importance of person's work or the bigness of their presence in the world or mm-hmm. the bigness of their business by their social media presence. Mm-hmm. You know, it just like becomes an automatic thing that is ingrained in our culture. Mm-hmm. And I had to rewire that to really, you know, go back to being present with people no matter what it is. Right. So what is your experience with that and take on that? Well, the first thing I just thought of that some of the, the most wise, deep, teachers are not so much on social media because one of my former teachers, she used to say, you know, that being on technology is like a really, it's like, um, it's a disembodied practice, right? It's like, it's definitely not an embodied practice. And she was like, imagine if you're in a disembodied practice all day, what that does to your nervous system, to your heart, to your yoni. And I thought, oh, fuck yeah. Like, I admired her so much for not, for being like, no, even though she wrote a book and like, she's, you know, but she's, and now she's on there sometimes, I think. But I admire, especially the spiritual teachers who really protect their practice because it is an energy exchange that happens on social media. So you might be an artist, you might be a writer, you might be a mom, you might be someone who actually, the idea of sharing in that way feels like an energy leak. It might feel like it it softens the moment and your presence and it kind of leaks your attention to your children or your art or whatever. Fuck yeah, protect that. If that's how that feels for you, you know, I am, I say preserve that. For me, I get energy from sharing. I always wanted to be an actress. You know, I have acted for many years. I made a web show called Be Here Now-ish, which is all about (laughs) modern spirituality. And I acted in it. And you can see me in like weird tantric sex scenes and ayahuasca ceremonies. And I love being seen. So for me, like my son in my astrology chart, for any of you astrology buffs, is is right in the midheaven, in the center. So it means I like to be seen. So for me, I love putting pictures of myself. I get energy from it. I expand from it. 
But if for somebody they don't, then don't worry about it. My friend Ruby, my co-founder of Moon Club, like for her, it's not a natural thing. She has a relationship to it that works for her. And it's different from mine, different from yours. And that is amazing and beautiful. And I think that that's totally okay. And I think it's really awesome to meet people. You can meet the fucking neuroscientist who's like, just come up with this amazing, you know, theory or invention or progression in in whatever field who's not on Instagram. And if you're like, oh, I looked at their presence. They don't really have a presence. Forget (laughs) it. And then you're like, oh my God, shit. That guy was like a genius that I was speaking to. So, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the way that I sort of look at it. Totally. How do you personally set boundaries with social media and with technology? Hmm. It's a really good one. Well, Dave, who's my coach who, that I worked with last year, he was like, (laughs) this really stuck with me. Last year we were working together and he was like, so when are you going to stop making Instagram your lover? And I was like, (laughs) and I thought about it. I thought, shit, he's right. I'm like, looking into the camera, I'm like, ah, I'm like writing poetry, like, ah. <laughs> and I have been in back-to-back relationships from age 21 to 31, like long-term. And then the past few years I've been healing and business and I've dated people, but haven't been in a long-term relationship, which has coincided with my Instagram growing. And I'm like, oh shit, what's going to happen when like, there's a dude in bed with me or a woman who knows. And in the morning, this person is like, I'm giving them my Shakti, my creative energy. And I'm like, you get the goddess. Da, 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 da. Then am I really going to want to go in the other room and like take a picture and write something? I might not. Who knows? But for the last two years, I've, because I have so much love to give and so much energy to give, like it's felt delicious to give it to people. And it feels delicious to be loved back. And anyone who says, you know, even in a sort of surface, weird, digital way, it still feels really fun and juicy to me. So I say that the boundary that you set is if it doesn't feel fun and juicy, don't do it. (laughs) Some days it's not going to. You might be PMSing. You might have had a tragedy in your family. Don't worry about it. Don't do it. And no one's going to be like watching. Oh my God. Like, Ksenia, is she PMSing? She hasn't posted in three days. I don't like her anymore. No. Like, if you're not feeling it and it's not feeling good, then don't do it. And to me, I go off of that, right? This is like very intuitive based, feeling based. I don't necessarily feel like I need like rules and I hate rules. So if I make a rule, I'll likely break it. So I like to prefer to just trust myself. Like, hmm, it doesn't feel good to scroll for 30 minutes. So I don't really scroll that often. I'm not a big scroller. I like go on, look for a few people that I really like and then, or like my besties and try to like their pictures if I have time. But I usually tell the people in my life, hey, don't assume that I'm keeping up with you on social media. Like, let's be like in-person friends. And I don't have like... I don't, if I'm going to like just stare at images, I like to have them super curated. So I'll go to Pinterest and I'll like stare at images of Sophia Loren or (laughs) Jason Momoa or like Shiva Shakti, like whatever I want to like get in the zone with. It's a little too abrupt for me on Instagram because like, it's like diving into a river and I don't know what's coming next. I'll be like, ah, I don't want to see that. Oh, that, that triggered me. Ah, that triggered me. Oh, that triggered me or whatever. So I don't do that that often. 
Is your Pinterest public? Can we all go stare at where you're staring at? Uh, you know, I just looked, oh, the other day I was like, I'm putting it on private. <laughs> no, there's some that's public, but um, maybe I'll put some public. I, I just love it. I love looking at pictures of goddesses and old movie stars and outfits and places to travel. And I thought about changing my feed so it's just that stuff. Then I felt so guilty about unfollowing, like, everyone. <laughs> Your feed on Instagram? Yeah. I thought about, like, I should just make it travel and snakes and goddesses and, like, the things that I love. Well, maybe you start a second account that's just that. I could do that. I already just have to start the Moon Club account. So I'm just like, wow. <laughs> but I love going on pictures. I have boards that have been on there that kind of just juice me up. So, like, I often have clients make a board and a coach that I hired did this with me years ago. Her name's Grace. And she said, make a board on Pinterest of what makes you feel most alive. And any time that you need to feel alive and you're not really feeling inspired, just go look at the board. So simple. So I have all of my clients do that and I have it. So I can always go back to that. And I'm not looking to Instagram where I'm like, oh shit, they're doing that course. Oh no, I'm doing something similar. Oh fuck, I hate myself. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's too, that's too much for me. <laughs> I love, love, love your take on all of these things that I think about every day. <laughs> I think we all are thinking about them. We're just like, what? Liberation. <laughs> I feel like this episode will break, break the internet in a good way. Yes. Be free, my children. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to share that I didn't ask you about? Mm. I mean, I really feel like following your own heart, your own path and letting it be whatever it is, is what the world needs. We don't need like, and not saying it has to be a, a public path or that you have to be a leader or that you have to be some sort of a public advocate or activist. But I think that we've come from generations of, you know, conditioning that's kept us in boxes and the same and we have to be careful that we don't do that now within sort of the consciousness worlds, right? That we're sort of just mimicking each other and trying to like kind of create the same capitalist or sort of, you know, boxes around what we're doing, but instead really keep all of us taking risks for the betterment of this planet, you know? And sometimes the best way to do that is by looking inside, you know, or looking to nature, in my opinion, or looking to psychedelic medicine, if that works for you, but finding ways to expand your consciousness so that you're not just looking to repeated systems and other people as to how to make your business or what your message is, or, you know, how you want to even walk or dress in the world. Like you can skip down the street, you know, you can start singing instead of talking. Like you, you know, you look at these like pictures of these like crystalline Lemurian worlds, like Make your own reality every day that if you want, you know, like take those little risks so that you can enjoy it, you know, because we are dying. Like every day we're closer to death. And in meditation and in a lot of Eastern practice, like you have to accept that. Okay, cool. Not a problem. I'm going to enjoy it every day. I'm going to make it my best, you know. I'm going to feel it deeply. I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm not going to just walk around and be like, whatever, I don't really care. Like, it's cool. <laughs> like, no, it's not. It's amazing to be here. It's an opportunity. It's painful. It's tragic. It's beautiful. It's all the things. And all of that is actually wonderful. And we can make it a part of this human experience and accept it. 
and continue to expand it for the people around us like that to me is is freedom and says that liberation preach <laughs> what's the best way for everyone to connect with you on instagram i think you can also look at my site, which is alexandraroxo.com, which just has more information about me. But Instagram, if you want to read my writing and kind of feel the essence of who I am and, and how spirit moves through this human. At Alexandra Roxo. Ah. Thank you so much, my dear. Mm, thank you. <laughs> if you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends, leave a review, and find all the show notes on wokeandwired.com. And connect with me on Instagram at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and have an incredible day.